Welcome to the Lift As You Climb podcast, where it's all about the journey and the joy to discovering who you are now and deciding who you want to become and embracing your genuine identity, influence, and impact. In each episode, we'll explore how life's experiences have prepared us for what we choose to do next and how to create our encore, write our own script, and star in the next stage of our lives. I'm your host, your next business strategist and transformation catalyst, Isabel Banerjee. Welcome back, everyone. Today, as I record this, it's September and the seasons are changing. In fact, this morning was the first morning in Arizona that the temperature was below 70 degrees Fahrenheit at six o'clock in the morning. So that was kind of fun. I almost wore a sweater to go out for my walk. So just as the seasons are changing, change is on my mind for many reasons. I was inspired to start a series of episodes about change. Beginning with episode 35, Driving Change, I shared my experience this summer of taking purposeful getting lost road trips so that I could spend some time sorting through some decisions I felt I really needed to make, decisions that were difficult and overdue. But I also had some fun on the trip because I brought along my pals, Kevin Costner and Morgan Freeman. So if you want to know how I managed to pull that off, double back and listen to episode 35. Then in episode 37, called Change Decoded, I shared with you a process that I have developed and improved over the years. I call it my Change Decoded system, that when I'm really struggling with should I or should I not, oh my God, what will be the consequences What if I don't make the right choice? I have worked on a thought download journaling, very structured process to work myself through that. And I made that available for all of my listeners. And in fact, in episode 37, I give you a guided tutorial on how you can maximize the use of my system download that, save it for yourself, use it over and over again. If you've got a friend who seems to be struggling with a decision that you think she might need some help in getting to the conclusion that she needs to, please, please do a favor and share episode 37, Change Decoded. Ask her to subscribe because going forward, We're going to talk a lot more about change and evolution and who am I now and how we get to be the best of us so that we can continue to climb in our life and have the ability to lift others along the way. Last week, episode 38 was called Change Your Mind. That episode, 
I'm mused on why it's perfectly okay and in fact healthy and recommended for future happiness that you do change your mind. All too often, we've been convinced that you made your decision, stick with it. You made your bed, lie in it. It was a popular saying in the 50s and 60s. It was pretty common for women to hear that story. You chose him, you made your bed, you lie in it, regardless of how miserable your life is. On the upside of supporting when it's the right time to change your mind, don't stay stuck. Don't end your life regretting that you didn't take that step when it comes to it. Continuing on the theory of change, we're going to talk about grieving change, specifically change that you didn't ask for, change that was forced on you, that someone else was the decider, and there you are. You are left now having to figure out how to deal with that change and how to move on, or as they say, move through the grief. I was involved in a personal relationship that I thought was the one. Now, if you've read my book, Who Am I Now? Feminine Wisdom, Unmasked and Uncensored, you will already know that I have been in long-term relationships and marriages more than one time in my life. I was not always the decider of who should end that relationship and move on. This is a particular case that comes to mind. I'm going to share transparently from the heart a very grievous change in my life that in the end was the best thing that could have possibly happened to me. But I'm going to tell you, I sure as hell did not think so. I did not feel that it would ever be a good thing on that December morning when my life partner, my business partner, announced he was leaving me. He was leaving me then and there, just weeks before Christmas. He was leaving me with the expectation that either I buy him out of our business interests and our home, or I get out. In either case, I would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and possibly homeless. I felt absolutely devastated. Not even the biggest Mack truck running over me could have triggered the same kind of pain that I felt in that moment. I thought that I was deeply in love with someone who was deeply in love with me and that our life would just continue to get better and better. Okay, here's part of the transparency and the truth. That was a bullshit story that I had been telling myself for quite some time, trying to ignore all the clues, cues, big ass billboard on the highway signs that the relationship was not intended to be forever. In fact, my partner had moved on emotionally. Well, I also found out later he'd moved on physically. 
to start a life with somebody else. We had not been good with each other or good for each other for probably a year, maybe even longer. But I didn't want to admit to that. I was holding fast to, hey, the world thinks that I have this absolutely exciting, wonderful, perfect life. My family thinks so. And I thought so because I had convinced myself that's who I was and that that was the best of me in my life so far. At that time, I was in my 40th year mark. But as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. There are lots of signs. I wasn't physically healthy. I wasn't emotionally healthy. I was grumpy and always kind of martyrish in my attitude that I had to work so hard to manage all of his businesses and properties. And I was always left very much on my own because he was involved in a lot of hobbies and away a great deal. So the point of the story is I didn't choose that change. It was forced upon me. And suddenly, I was faced with more grief than I had ever felt in my entire life, even though I had not always had the storybook or Happy Days TV show life. This was the mother to end all mothers of grief experience for me to date. I think back to that time and thinking, how did I possibly live through it? Because I swore I was convinced to myself. I was going to die. I was going to die of the broken heart. I was going to die of shame and embarrassment. I was going to die of disappointment, bitterness, poverty, abandonment. I mean, you name it. I was like the drama queen going through all of that. My poor daughter. Oh my gosh. When I think of what she went through at that time, As a teen living with this hot mess who got through the days by pretending stoically to be just fine, and the nights by drinking bottle after bottle of wine, crying so that my body was racked with sobs, snot running down my face. She had to hold my hair out of the toilet bowl was I threw up from the combination of sobbing and drinking until I got through those darkest days. Let me tell you, Santa Claus didn't even want to come near me that Christmas. But there was my daughter as a teen, knowing that she was my lifeline at that moment. And although she didn't just pat me on the shoulder all the time with platitudes, I do remember the day, perfectly timed in hindsight, that she said, okay, are you ever going to stop crying and pick up the pieces and move on with your life? That I realized she was absolutely right, that I had done enough of grieving the denial and that it was time for me to start moving forward to do something about it taking control of my life again. Over the period of the next six months, probably every day, 
I read empowering literature. I meditated. I journaled. I went on long walks with my Walkman headset on my ears. I listened to empowering, uplifting, confidence restoring material. And I started to walk away the anger, the doubt, the fear, and all the excess pounds that I had piled on from perimenopause and overindulging, over drinking. As I did, I started to slowly rebuild a feeling of, okay, I got this. I decided I had a choice. I had a choice to stay in that wallowing, or I could pull myself up by my big girl panties and figure out a whole new life and devote it to loving me and loving me not because I was someone's partner, but because I loved spending time with myself. I'm sharing that ugly story with you and the ugly truth of that time, because I want you to know that you are not alone in going through those rough patches. I know that my friends have experienced similar situations in their lives. Anecdotally, I know that it's more common than we all would like to think. There are those times when you will be forced into a change and you're absolutely going to need to grieve through it. Knowing that there are others that have been through it and got through to a better side, I hope will be helpful to you. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a psychiatrist, came up with five stages of grieving to give a model for how people emotionally worked through terminal illness. She described the five stages as first, denial, then the second, anger, and the third, bargaining, and then depression, and then acceptance. Ms. Kubler-Ross provided a very helpful framework for people to work through their emotions and fears about their own mortality. Her five stages of grieving aren't ideally encompassing for those of us that may feel like we may die from the grief of the experience, but ultimately know we will have the option to move on in our lives. In my book, Who Am I Now?, I had the privilege of co-writing two chapters with a certified grief counselor, Gina Pollard, discussing grief in the context of women, women evolving in our lives, the wisdom of our own experiences that we could share with others, and acknowledging that grief is not just about death. In fact, I believe that there are 40 different life events that can trigger grief. Things like divorce or being dumped or kicked to the curb or sudden disappointments in our career or great financial loss or health issues that are not terminal, but yet very catastrophic. They're all factors for grief. In the section of the book, Feminine Wisdom Exchange. There's a chapter that she and I wrote called 
disenfranchised grief. That's even more relevant to what we're talking about here today. Disenfranchised grief is the grief that we don't talk about as openly because it doesn't elicit sympathy or at least the kind of compassion that we really, really need in those times. Things like breaking up in a relationship and friends say to you things like, oh, he wasn't any good for you anyway, or oh, well, there's plenty of other guys out there, plenty of fish in the sea. Those comments don't do anything to help us with the feelings we have at the moment. Or someone who has a miscarriage and friends think they're being helpful by saying, well, at least you're still young and healthy. You can get pregnant again. As Gina Pollard would say, if someone starts a sentence with at least run in the other direction, because it's not helpful to acknowledging the grief process that you must go through. So back to my unwelcomed change story. My, oh my God, I don't know if I'll get through this breakup story. What happened? You may wonder, and why am I here some 25 plus years later? And what did I learn from that experience? I learned that I was not in the right or forever relationship. I learned that I wasn't finished becoming me because I was trying to be the someone that someone else wanted, that they thought was their ideal mate. I was unhappy. And that unhappiness was manifesting in ill health and ill temper and just ill ease or disease, which is interesting to think about dis-ease and stress being the cause of illness. I also learned that I am fucking resilient and that after I finished the wailing and whining because I decided I didn't like it down there in the pit, that I could pick myself up and move on, that I would continue to evolve and grow into the next best me. But honestly, I couldn't have done it successfully if I hadn't grieved through what I thought I was losing and why I was being done wrong and how wine was going to make me happy. I instead needed to go through all of that. And again, I thank my daughter, Amanda, for holding my hair and holding my hand and holding the vision for the mom that she knew and the woman that she knew I was and would become and move forward. About five, six years after that catastrophic event and my grieving and recovery process, I had occasion to phone my ex. I was driving on the freeway and I saw the exit to where he lived. It made me replay a bit of a movie in my head 
about what had happened over the course of the years from when he made that Christmas present announcement to where I was and who I was now. In that moment, I decided to call him. I decided to phone him and say, thank you for kicking me to the curb. Because if he had not done so back then, and I had not gone through the experiences that I had, I wouldn't be the woman I was in that moment. Now, it's pretty funny because he obviously recognized my phone number because I could tell there was a lot of trepidation in his voice answering the call. But within moments, he was laughing at the fact that I was saying, thank you, thank you for being such an asshole and dumping me the way that you did. Obviously, he had followed my success, my trajectory in life, how my company had grown exponentially, and how I had grown into being the CEO, standing in my own spotlight instead of being in the shadow of his that my being forced to really dig deep and figure out what I had still in my chest, my vault of knowledge and skills may not have been uncovered had I not been forced to that moment. I'm not suggesting that everyone would want to or has to go through something as devastating and difficult. But I want to assure you that you can get through it if that's what you choose. As my friend Jackie Almer says, life isn't happening to you, it's happening for you. And who knew back then that all of that struggle would have made me into a stronger, smarter, more confident woman, but it did. I think part of what makes these situations even more challenging for us is that when change is forced on us, we have not been taught how to deal with that. It's not part of our life education. As we are growing up in this society, we have been taught how to accumulate things, money, property, status, relationships, spouses, children, titles. It's part of our education. It's part of the expectations placed on us. But nowhere in my education was I taught how to let go, how to let go of things things that are no longer serving us, how to let go of people that don't belong in our lives, how to let go of careers or paradigms or limiting beliefs. I encourage you to think about what do you need to let go of? To help you, I offer the Change Decoded System that we talked about in episode 37. 
I will include the link in the show notes. You can certainly use that template to help you work through letting go of something that you didn't volunteer for, at least not consciously. I also encourage you to pick up a copy, if you don't already have it, of Who Am I Now? My book. I'll put the link in the show notes. Read those two chapters that I mentioned on grief is not just about death and disenfranchised grief. For now, remember, you are resilient and you are capable and you are not alone. We're here in this community to support each other, to lift each other. Next week, we'll be back with a very special guest as we continue on our theme, Change. Goodbye for now. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope our conversation added value to your day and expanded your vision for your legacy and impact. Please join me in increasing my impact and expanding my reach to more people by sharing this episode on social media or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch all of the latest from me, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me and others in my community Facebook group, The Lift As You Climb Movement, where you can engage, be inspired by, and grow with a tribe of like-minded people. As I evolve as a podcaster and a spokeswoman for collaboration and economic empowerment, your input and feedback are especially important to me. I welcome your suggestions and questions to hello at theencorecatalyst.com. Until we meet again, please remember that your success may be the foundation to someone else's. Together, we can raise success ladders around the world. <laughs>